I'm excited to bring Mary Lou Henner back onto the program for this segment of Brisks, Bulls, and Bears. Mary Lou, so let's dig into this a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody has a different strategy, and I don't want to even say there's a right and wrong way to do it as long as you're doing it. Uh, and we're talking about investing, and you know, specifically, this is a public market section. And most people invest uh, when they t have a portion of their portfolio is somehow in one of the public vehicles, NASDAQ or, or New York Stock Exchange, I'll, although there's many other ways to invest. This is about public markets. And so I'm curious, obviously, I'm sure you invest in the public market in some way. Tell me mm -hmm. uh, what your strategy might be for investment? Do you use an advisor? You do it yourself? How do you make this go? Well, very early in my career, especially after I got on taxi and I started to make a little money for the first time in my life, um, I, I decided I would work with a business manager. And so I I worked with him for 32 years until my husband and I married my Michael um, and uh, he works, you know, he's more like a business manager type now for me. But but early on in my career and we still, even though Michael takes care of a, a lot of the financial records, uh, we still I still work with someone who has who has given me an investment portfolio. So I know where my money is going every month. I get some kind of readout printout. Uh, I'm somebody who likes to know information. And I think a lot of times I've seen more actors, especially uh, people who have just been taken for a ride by their business manager that business manager collected the money but they didn't pay the government you know taxes or anything else or let stocks completely die i think you have to be uh, conscious i think you have to be fluid i think you have to read the room and you have to ride the wave and you have to know, am I a conservative person? Do I want, you know, 60, 40 in the, like to, to play with, do, you know, what are the percentages of what I want to do depending on what the market is like, you know, and I have a great investment because of my house. So always have kept that. And, you know, I think that that's been a, a big part of my portfolio as well. No I think way. that's terrific, and I agree with you on uh, riding the wave. I think in this new normal that they'd call it, when we look at public markets, companies getting decimated for whatever reason, uh, obviously in a situation like that, uh, there are opportunities as well uh, for companies that are just maybe in the right place or the right time. Um, right. Look at Zoom. I mean, it's crazy what, what's happened to Zoom since the, you know, since the, the lockdown. And, and who knew that, that Uber was going to become what it has or, or Grubhub or any of those companies, you know? Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people using an app called Instacart right now to get their food, yes. right? So uh, uh, there's opportunity out there if we'll pay attention uh, in the public markets. You know, I've heard you say this on another program uh, before, that you uh, companies that you look to kind of uh, bail on from a, even a public market, we can talk about this from investments, is companies that ride the wave of complacency. What do you mean by that? Oh. You know, where you feel like there's no movement whatsoever, because, you know, I'm ne I've never been from the school of, oh, keep quiet and they'll let me live. Or I'm just going to stay at zero on the number line because I don't want to take any chances and maybe I'll just stay at zero. I've never been that kind of person. I'm conservative with my money, but I still like to see who's doing something that maybe the rest of the world hasn't figured out how to do yet. You know, so I like companies that have some kind of movement. You're hearing about them. They've got a good 
publicity, whatever, and they make sense. You know, it's the, it's going back to that gut instinct thing. It's going back to saying, I'm not just going to listen to a business manager or an agent or whatever, because they're telling me to do this. How does it connect with who I am? What is that? You know, what, what do I have to say? You know, I've been offered a lot of money from a lot of different companies in the health field, but because I don't believe in them or they're not part of my brand, I want nothing to do with them. I've turned down more money than you could possibly imagine because it, it, I wouldn't be being true to myself. So well, you, know, you have to be able to know what you want. And, and you've said this, and I think you even said it in an earlier segment, you're your own commodity at the end of yeah. the day. Mary Lou Henner is the commodity here. And so uh, if you can't be true to yourself, then you're actually destroying your product. Right. Absolutely. And people people can smell someone who's inauthentic like that. They can. And and you don't have longevity in this world this bit, or any kind of business that you're in if you're not connected to what it is that you're saying, if you're not walking the talk and if you're not connected to what it is, how you're living. You know, you have this autobiographical memory, which I've spoken to you about it many times. And for the life of me, I can never understand it because obviously only <laughs> 12 people in the world or something like that have ever had it. Uh, so your memory must be really, really important to you. It seems like you've been able to leverage that God-given um, memory of yours. But maybe people don't even know what it is. Can you describe that in like a minute, sure. what it is? Sure, sure, sure. I'll say it real quickly. First of all, everyone has an autobiographical memory because they remember things about their own lives. But most people remember only eight to 11 events within any given year. I have what is known as highly superior autobiographical memory, or HSAM, which means that I remember virtually every day of my life. The criteria is 200 plus, but I scored in the higher range. But anyway, so um, if you gave me a date, I could tell you what day of the week it was and what I was doing on that day. And there's something about having a memory like this. Hopefully, anybody who has any kind of memory, you want to be able to use it to keep yourself from doing the same mistakes over and over again. Because you know that very famous quote about insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? Yes. I always say it's not insanity, it's bad memory. Because if we pay attention and we remember the red flags or, oh, that didn't feel good or, or, oh, I didn't listen to that little inner voice. You're going to, you know, if you don't do that, you're, it's, you're just going to be tripped up all the way. So it's definitely a gift. And I have leveraged it into a best-selling New York Times best-selling uh, book, um, a, a television show that was on for five years called Unforgettable. I go all over the country speaking about it. I do one-on-one -on -one memory sessions. And so I'm very grateful to have this and to be able to use it. You know, I always say, create a vacuum and then fill it. You know, create a vacuum and then fill it. My vacuum was, I have this memory and now I get to fill it. I, I use it in business uh, acumen all the time. Talk about leveraging your core competency. That is a core competency yeah. you have and how many things you could do with it. I'm just wondering if it's possible that there might be a product that you might take that, <laughs> that would be good for supporting your memory. Are you kidding? Synaptive from from longevity is amazing. It's like for brain health. It's unbelievable. I mean, I've gone in front of Congress and spoken about brain health and Alzheimer's and us against Alzheimer's and trying to get more money for research. And there's this incredible product that I take it every day. My husband takes it and, you know, he needs it a little bit more than I do. But yeah, it's a great product. <laughs> well, you've got something to protect, obviously, yeah. in a big way. <laughs> I know, um, uh, what do you think about, I, I know you're intimate with our company in terms of what we're doing to keep an eye on us. What did you think about the company um, when we pivoted into the hemp space? 
How did oh, you think well, about that? You know, first of all, it's such an incredible natural product. I mean, hemp is so, I just ordered hemp sheets. You know, we've got to do hemp sheets over there. I love, hemp is a great, strong, natural product. It grows, it's sustainable, it's fabulous. And, you know, with this, I injured myself during this. Um, I pulled, I think because I've been doing so much housekeeping and laundry and grout cleaning during the lockdown that um, I injured my thumb. And the only thing that was getting me through it until I could have an MRI and figure out what was wrong with it or go see my hand doctor, the only thing was the, the hemp cream, the CBD cream. And it was just amazing. It just got me through my entire day. Yeah, I so think I'm it's... A fan. You know, we got into that, and you brought this up, and I know it probably a little bit self-serving, but there, it's a big no. industry that we think is going to be, you know, multi, multi billions of dollars. And I think it goes back to what we were discussing a little bit earlier. You know, companies that are riding the wave of complacency. You know, that's one way to look at it. But yeah. what about companies that are looking out for those big opportunities that are right in front of us? And can we leverage our core competency to make it happen? You know, absolutely, and paying attention to what's going on. You know, you have to pay attention to and read, read the room, say, OK, I, I'm needing this. Who's doing that or how do I do it? How do I connect myself with a company that has a little bit of what I need and want? And now maybe I'll bring my expertise or I'll you know, put my money behind them or whatever it is. I mean, it's very important to pay attention, to understand what is going on in our world now, because we're in a new, nor we're, you know, we're, it's changing normal was the name of my book with Michael. And we are, we have changed our normal and we better not think we're going back to the old normal because that's not going to exist anymore. You know, but there are opportunities there. You're absolutely right. And I think that's uh, you've exemplified that throughout your entire career. I mean, you have been in and put your, yourself into so many things. Use that incredible energy of yours, that incredible mind of yours, and just always Thank seem you. to be passionate about whatever you're doing. And I think that's absolutely terrific. And uh, yeah. let's face it, those new projects, they excite us. You know, they, they, yeah. they get us going. So, oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, you have to, like, wake up and smell the coffee now you have to wake yes. up and, yeah and enjoy <laughs> enjoy what is it you i mean not enjoy that people are sick or whatever but enjoy in yourself the opportunity that you might have that might make this world a better place because you can use your entrepreneurial skill and you're not feeling just victimized Absolutely. you know that's the biggest thing you can't feel like a victim because if you do you're just going to implode and you know that's that's not going to make a better life or world for anyone absolutely not so we're finished up with brisk bulls and bears and i knew you'd knock it out of the park you have such great mm -hmm. things to say and we're entering the segment brisk's best and brightest uh the segment that we really get to mentor you it's all about mentorship and i'm excited that i've still got mary lou henner along with us so let's bring her back onto the program mary lou there you are and you know it's perfect actually for you to talk about this because the target that i really see this brisk best and brightest not that it doesn't work for everyone certainly can work for parents but really that just out of school just out of college student up right. that first maybe 10 years of their life and you've got uh, some children in two that mid, yeah, <laughs> two of them in that mid twenty age. So we're really speaking to them. So from a mentorship standpoint, you know, what what kind of advice are you giving your own kids right now uh, in in this crazy business world that we happen to be uh, rolling through? 
Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, because it really starts young. I mean, it, you know, my boys always had an allowance. They had to do certain things. So they had a good respect for money. And they also saw their mother working at home, writing her books or going off on location. And they would come with me or they went on the road when I did Annie Get Your Gun. So they always saw their mother working and their father working. He's a very successful director in, in show business. And so because of it, I think they always had that sense of what do they want to do? They both want to be in show business and so they're out in the world creating their own lives but it starts young and i think because so many people and i see it dave on sets i see it the people who have this like i don't want to work hard i just want to be a star or i just want to have the top job i just want to make a lot of money but they have no concept of how to get there they're not entrepreneurial they're waiting for parents or the world to hand them something because maybe their parents always did and it reminds me of a book that i wrote years ago when my boys were little it was called i refuse to raise a brat because i did not want to bring brats into the world now I grew up with a mother who used to say to, say to us, if, if anybody in the family would say, I'm bored, I'm bored, she'd say, oh, you're bored? If you're bored, you're boring. And then it was like, oh, I'm not boring. It's like, well, then you better be a self-starter and find something that you can do. You know. So my boys grew up with the attitude of, you're going to be the first one there. You get a job. You're going to be the first one there. You're going to be the last one to leave. You know, If you don't know what to do, clean the break room, create a job for yourself become totally indispensable. And every company my boys have worked for, they've always wanted them back. And they all had jobs. They both had jobs all through their high school and college years. You know, And I think it's very important to have this healthy respect for hard work, for understanding that the world is not going to hand you a living, for starting at an entry level and being so invaluable to the company that everybody wants to keep you. And for, as I said before in an earlier segment, you create a vacuum and then you fill it. You don't know what to do. Create some job that nobody can believe you can do and you become indispensable and then fill that job. And then people will be like, oh, I always want to work with that kid. My son, Nick, the first job he had out of college, he worked for six months on uh, on Godless. It was a miniseries and it was like six episodes. It was unbelievable. He did everybody's job. He had a chance to do everybody's job, learned what he wanted to do. And he was a troubleshooter, just like my father was. And people thought that he was the producer. He, they thought he was the head guy because he was involved in so many of the different parts of it. And you can do that in any business. It's all about you, what you bring, you show up, you not only show up, you show up to play, you show up to work hard and you have a healthy respect for the team around you, for the job that you're doing and for your sense of time and what you are bringing to the experience. You know, my favorite uh, piece of Hamilton, I love Broadway, you already know that, is I love the line, <laughs> I'm young, scrappy and hungry. And you oh. basically just described that line to a T and it sounds like you've instilled that in your boys. I had a, a I call this a brisk bit and I've been saying this my whole life. And it sounds like you're in the same realm as me as, as we talk about this. But it's set your goal at being a five percenter. The top five percent mm -hmm. always enjoy great success. And I mean that across the bet. If you're the top five percent of plumber, you're wealthy. If you're the top five percent in garbage, waste management, you're a billionaire. Top yeah. five percenter. Figure out what you want to do and just be in that top five percent. What do you think about yeah. that? Absolutely. And and be open to learning when you first let's say you want to be, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, a plumber, you're going to have to learn the craft. So you better pay attention. You're not just going to be in the top five percent without any skill set. So whatever it is that you're focusing on, 
you develop that skill set and you have that passion and that love for whatever it is that you're doing. But know that nobody's going to just hand it to you and you better have a healthy respect towards authority. Well, it, in a, as a student, homework and being a teacher, you know, your teachers and homework because the rest of your life, you're going to have some authority figure until you're the boss. You know, and then you're going to have to respect the people around you. You know, and I love what you were saying uh, before about the, you know, uh, what I call it is the juice, those little moments in your life that give you the juice to just keep going, whatever it is. And one person could like hate what I mean, I love to drive. My ex-husband hates to drive so much that my boys would call him, call me when they were spending a weekend with him and say, Mom, can you take us to this party? And I'd say, Dad's not far from that, and, and you're with him this weekend. Doesn't he want to drive you? And they'd say, Mom, Dad's a trip to the west side away from a, a heart attack. You know, So <laughs> some people love to do things, and somebody, someone else hates to do the exact same thing. Know what it is that makes you feel that kind of really good doubt moment. I hear you. So um, let me ask you this, just a little bit of a little off a gap moment for a second. How important it is in this climate with what's going on to take chances? Oh, well, here's your opportunity. You might as well test the road, you know, because here it is. I mean, you're not going to do the, the tried and true. You're not going to be doing the same thing all the time anyway. And now if you ever felt like you wanted to do something different, you have no excuse. You've got all the time in the world to figure this out. You know, whether it's uh, whatever it is. Let's say you always wanted to do something in a foreign country or let's say you wanted to do something, for, you know, learning a different language or cooking or whatever. And that's where your passion is. This is your opportunity to do it. You can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of mistakes. You can't be afraid of plan B. You can't be afraid. You can't be fearful because fear, being fearful is only going to paralyze you. You're going to be stuck at zero on the number line and you're never going to move forward. Sometimes life is three steps forward, two steps back, 10 steps forward, eight steps back. You know, it's, it's constantly moving. But as long as it is pro progressing in a forward motion, even the setbacks you learn so much from and you might have the setback may have taught you something about yourself that you take to the next more positive experience, I whatever agree. it is. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think I heard you say this before, and I may, I hope I don't butcher it, but I thought it was a quote like, liquid is the labor. No, 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 you did butcher it. All right, let me tell you what happened. This is, like, what is the labor? No, <laughs> my son, Nick, because we're living together now for the first time since before he left for college. I graduated from Columbia with honors a few, three years ago, anyway, four years ago. Anyway, so he said that I never stop moving. I'm always fixing and organizing and doing things, you know, because I'm doing most of the housework here at the house. And he said, mother, you are like liquid labor. You ah. are always filling all the corners like it's a vessel with water or something, but it's, it's liquid labor. And I said, oh my gosh, I know you meant that as an insult, but I'm so complimented <laughs> by that. I'm so, that's, I, I might have to write a book called liquid labor because it's so about what, Seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. What needs to be done, doing it. This has to be fixed, fixing it. Liquid labor. This has to be said, say it. I love it. Whatever Li it is. So a liquid labor. Okay, I did butcher that, but I'm not butchering this so, one. Another thing you've always said is motion is the lotion. I know you've yes. said that. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Motion is the lotion, whether it's exercise. 
you know, whatever it is. So but let's take just exercise as an example. It just keeps everything lubricated, your joints, your attitude, you know, all the little cells in your body, your, your, all the fluids in your body, you know, and it's so, uh, the lymph- your lymphatic system, motion is the lotion. So movement, but motion also means your career. Your, your goals. Motion is the lotion. That is what is going to lubricate your future. That is what is going to keep things moist and moving and growing as long as you are, you know, putting the effort into change, grow, and forward mobility. Mary Lou, we have run out of time. This, we should do a two-hour program. So anyways, you are amazing. Uh, brisky business. We're going to conclude this section. Thank you so much for being a part of it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully we can find time to do it again. Definitely. Anytime. There's so many more things I want to talk about. So that's great. Thank you, Dave. This concludes episode five of Brisky Business.